I think in the absence of a real crystal ball, balance is the key for investors. Historically, an inverted yield curve has preceded every recession in the past 50 years. On today's episode, portfolio managers Alfred Lee, Chris Heeks, and your host Mackenzie Box examine what this quite reliable indicator is telling investors now. They also discuss inflation, the T-bill deluge, value and growth equities, the U.S. dollar, and covered cost strategies. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide your comments and questions each and every week. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by Alfred Lee and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for joining me today. Thanks, Mackenzie. Good to be here. All right, well, let's dive in. Alfred, we'll start with you first. The yield curve in the U.S. and Canada remains inverted, with the differential between the 10 and 2-year yields being the widest we've seen for some time. What does this mean for investors, and how do you position your portfolio accordingly? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I think the yield curve, as you mentioned right now, it's definitely the most inverted we've seen in a very long time. I mean, it's definitely something that investors should take a note of, you know, just to note that. When you look at the inversion of the yield curve, it typically has a pretty good track record just in terms of predicting an oncoming recession. So this is something that clearly should not be ignored. But you know why it's effective is because you know when you're if you're treating the yield curve as if it's you know the term structure of what the market expects for future rates, what it signals is that the market expects that the central bank will be cutting rates at some point in the future, and typically. You know, when central banks cut rates, it's in order to stimulate the economy. That's why uh, the yield curve tends to be a pretty good indicator for oncoming recessions. Right now, you know, the as you mentioned, the yield curve is definitely inverted. I'm not going to necessarily say, you know, this time it's different because you definitely don't want to bet against an inverted yield curve. But I will point out that there is some differentiation uh, this time around. Uh, so the one main differential is that if you look at the economy right now, the number one concern about the economy and over the last couple of years has been has been inflation. So right now, if you look at the economy and the economic backdrop, still a lot of strong economic data. So, for example, you know, the labor market is still humming along. Um, unemployment is still relatively low. Uh, GDP is still positive as well. So in many ways, you know, when the economy opened up a couple of years ago after the lockdowns, the economy was in, in some ways too hot and monetary tightening was needed in order to slow the economy down. So right now, you know, over the last year, year and a half, central banks have been hiking rates in order to slow the economy um, because it was too hot. Typically, during an economic slowdown, you know, the economy naturally slows down and the uh, central banks have to step in in order to stimulate the economy. So again, you know, if you're looking back at the yield curve and you're looking at it as if it's the market's interpretation of where future rates need to be, um, in some way, you could read this as if the market believes that inflation at some point will be brought under control. So there's a number of things that we are looking on the inflation front. So uh, real rates is is one thing that we're keeping a close eye on. So real rates we define as the one-year T-bill rate. 
uh, and then you back out the year-over-year CPI number. So right now in the U.S. and in Canada, over the last couple of weeks, real rates have become positive again. So again, on the inflation front, we view this as a huge positive. Outside of that, the second point in why uh, the inversion of the yield curve is a little bit different this time around is because you know we've all heard about the U.S. Treasury. It needs to issue 1.3 trillion of T-bills uh, between now and the end of the year. So in order um, you know, to restock um, cash in its treasury uh, general account, or what's known as the TGA, because all this supply of T-bills is expected to come to the market between now and the end of the year, uh, what that means is that you know, yields on the short end of the curve are going to elevate in order to attract uh, demand in order to offset that supply. So on that front, you're going to get higher yields on the short end of the curve, which will invert the yield curve as well. Um, so again, you know, I'm not saying this time it's different, uh, but due to the inflation factor alone, I think that, you know, kind of changes the way that, you know, you have to interpret the inversion of the yield curve. Um, but just going back to my original point, you know, the inversion of the yield curve has a pretty good track record. Um, so it's something that we should definitely uh, take caution of. And, you know, also the huge increase in supply um, for T-bills in the market also means that it might draw liquidity from risk assets from both bonds and equities. So I think, you know, in terms of portfolio positioning, it does uh, mean that investors um, should take a more defensive approach. You know, one uh, combination that we often talk about is combining quality and low volatility. So we continue to like, you know, combining ETFs like ZUQ, which is our high quality US ETF and ZLU, which is our uh, BMO low volatility US equity ETF. We continue to like that combination. Cash is also another thing that investors may want to look at, uh, just in terms of if they need to move into cash. Um, at least you know cash is paying a pretty good yield right now. So ZMMK, which is our money market ETF, that's yielding 4.9%. That's a net yield, and also ZUS.U for US dollar cash, which is also a 4.9% net yield at at the moment. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to part client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Chris, we'll move to you next, and we'll talk about value and growth equities. So in 2022, the MSCI World Enhanced Value Index returned negative 3%, whereas the MSCI World Growth Index returned negative 24%. Now, 2023, so far this year, we've seen a significant reversal. The growth index is up 23%, and value is behind, though up to 9%. What are the dynamics here investors should consider from a portfolio construction point of view? And can you speak to the outlook of both these strategies? Yeah, for sure. When we talk growth equities, definitely tech is kind of the number one, two, and three thing that comes to mind. Uh, Just to give you a couple more numbers, the BMO NASDAQ 100 equity index ETF, or ZNQ, it's up 35% year to date. Uh, the BMO Cover Call Technology ETF, so ZWT, it's up 42% year-to-date. So tech is certainly uh, leading the growth rally. 
quality, as Alfred mentioned, is, is not to be forgotten as well and is outperforming this year and, and has exposure to growth. So, you know, we're seeing, yeah, two very two very different pitches in the market in terms of 2022 and 2023. And so I think, you know, for investors, um, considering how to allocate, you know, it's a it could be a bit of a tough decision, to be honest, uh, you know, given the uncertainty of the, of, of the future. I think Alfred's approach of mixing a more growthy ETF with a more defensive one, I think is something, you know, I'm going to redouble on um, as investors can really balance off between the two outcomes. I think one of the interesting things we're seeing in the market is a little bit of a disconnect disconnect still between, you know, equity investors what they're thinking, which has been obviously very strong growth sentiment this year. Equity investors have been calling for, uh, you know, central bank easing. But on the other hand, you have the Fed messaging is pretty hawkish. And, you know, kind of the baseline is another two uh, hikes potentially this year out of the U.S. Fed, uh, at least one more out of Canada. Uh, so, so there's a little bit of disconnect, you know, looking at some of our internal research, you know, we think, in, you know, equity investors are tending to discount the possibility of higher inflation for higher inflation for longer and, uh, and, and also recession risks, you know, it keeps getting pushed off. So, um, you know, obviously there's no crystal balls here. So I think in the absence of, you know, a real crystal ball, balance is the key for investors. So um, although growth has really been, uh, you know, carrying the equity flag this year, you know, really encouraging, you know, investors to balance their portfolio um, along the same lines of Alfred's idea, a growth component, you know, such as the NASDAQ or cover call tech, ZNQ or ZWT, balanced off against something more defensive, like a low volatility uh, or a dividend ETF that's a little more, uh, call it uh old world exposed, you know, less tech, less growthy, whereas those companies don't tend to pay dividends. So I think that's how investors can uh, look to position. You know, one more ETF on the defensive side that I'd, I'd throw into the mix is our BMO US high dividend cover call ETF. So ZWH. And, uh, you know, so it's exposed to blue chip uh, dividend based companies. On the whole versus our dividend ETFs, it's a little more large cap because we are writing options and doing the cover call overlay within it. Uh, there's also more income and a little bit less risk. So on the defensive side of that portfolio, um, like having that versus something that's more growth oriented. So, uh, you know, we'll see how the rest of the year shapes up. You know, we're starting to see the first kind of signs of a little bit of weakness in the labor market. That'll be something to keep an eye on. We're going to get another release in the next week from the U.S. Uh, but I really think uh, balancing growth with defensiveness is something that can potentially benefit investors going forward. Great. Thanks, Chris. Alfred, we'll turn it back to you. Something that's very topical right now. Uh, the U.S. dollar index has been relatively stable since the Fed's hawkish pause last week. It has, however, lost ground against the Canadian dollar, losing about 3.2% versus the loonie. What has been driving this, and is it time to consider hedging U.S. dollar exposure? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, when you look at the U.S. dollar index right now, it's surprisingly been relatively flat uh, since the Fed meeting last week, um, up only about 40 basis points or so. And I would have thought, you know, if you're looking at the greenback, uh, would have had more legs against other currencies, given that you know, the market was largely anticipating some rate cuts just ahead of that meeting. And then um, after the meeting, obviously, Powell comes out and says, we're going to get 
uh, two more rate hikes before now in the end of the year. Um, I would have thought that would have been a little bit more bullish for the U.S. dollar, given that uh, there was you know, quite a lot of repricing just in terms of interest rate expectations bef- between now um, and, and the end of the year. Um, I think the reason why, or at least part of the reason why the U.S. dollar index hasn't really moved that much is because you know, the market doesn't necessarily believe those two rate hikes will transpire between now and the uh, rest of the year. So keep in mind, you know, when you're looking at the Fed and the Fed, uh, all the tools that the Fed has at their disposals, moving the overnight rate is only one of the tools. Uh, forward guidance is another tool that they have as well. Um, and also dialing up or dialing down quantitative tightening is also another tool that they have at their disposal uh, in terms of fighting inflation at the current moment as well. Um, so, you know, to me, it definitely looks like the, the Fed is transitioning from a policy where they're relying on moving the overnight rate or, you know, hiking interest rates to one that is more reliant on uh, forward guidance. So, um, you know, keep in mind, you know, if you are, you know, looking at it from, you know, a consumer's point of view, if you think that the Fed is done in terms of hiking interest rates, the likelihood is that if you have to make a big purchase, um, let's say if you're making a purchase on a home, um, if you know, you know, the Fed has reached that terminal value, you're going to go out and buy that home right now. But if you anticipate, you know, two more rate hikes to come, the likelihood is that you're going to hold off on making that that larger purchase. So I think that's the Fed's game plan right now, which is, you know, basically, you know, signaling to the market that there's more tightening to come uh, in order to to fight off inflation, just so investors or consumers are, you know, putting off those large ticket items and just spending in general. So to me, you know, uh, also in in addition to, you know, the Fed moving its dot plots um, a couple of weeks ago, that's, you know, to me, you know, a, a, a clear signal that the Fed is moving to, you know, a policy towards, you know, forward guidance rather than just relying on uh, moving the overnight rate. In terms of, you know, the Canadian dollar move versus the U.S. dollar, um, I think, you know, the Canadian dollar does have some legs behind it over the last couple of weeks just because you know, the Bank of Canada did move rates by 25 basis points. Um, so there is a little bit of recency bias just in terms of you know interest rate expectations for the, for the Bank of Canada. We also heard some commentary from the Fed back at the March meeting and how you know even some of the more hawkish members of the Fed um, basically were saying that they wanted a pause just because of you know, given what's going on in the regional banking crisis back in March. So, um, you know, to me, I think, you know, some of the members in the Fed right now, uh, they don't want to hike rates just because they don't want to, um, you know, increase the chances of, you know, bringing on systemic risks in, in the system. Um, so there is a likelihood that we potentially may not get, you know, the full two rate hikes. Maybe we get one, maybe we don't get any. Um, so because of that, I think, you know, that potentially causes, you know, as the year progresses, that may potentially cause, you know, those two rate hikes that are priced into the market to get priced out of the market, which should be, um, you know, uh, it should be bearish for the U.S. dollar. So I think right now, I think if you're thinking long term, I think, you know, we always like having that currency exposure, U.S. dollar, especially given that, you know, U.S. dollar tends to rally um, during economic slowdowns. Uh, But I think from a tactical standpoint, you may want to consider, you know, something like um, a currency hedged exposure for a U.S. dollar exposure right now. So, for example, um, you know, ZUE, which is our S&P 500, we do have a currency hedge version. Some of the other ETFs that we talked about prior on this call, 
Um, quality, for example, ZUQ, we do have a currency hedge version, which is ZUQ.F. And uh, US Low Vol, uh, we also have a currency hedge version of that one as well, which is ZLH. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Amid high interest rates and market volatility, consider BMO's top three ETFs yielding over 6%. The BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. And the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, features solid historical dividend growth. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZWU, ZWB, and ZWC. And last but not least, Chris, um, something we've talked extensively about is the BMO Covered Call Strategies, uh, probably since we started this podcast a while ago. And um, we have exciting news this week. We're launching a new ETF, uh, the BMO Global Enhanced Income Fund, the ETF series, ticker ZWQT. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that ETF and how to position it in the current market? Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie. So, yeah, continuing to expand on our cover call lineup. Uh, you know, we started the cover call ETF space in Canada. We launched the first uh, ETF here back in 2011, the ZWB, BMO Cover Call Canadian Banks ETF. You know, we, we've expanded to different geographies. We've, you know, dividend focused uh, ETFs like the ZWH I mentioned earlier. You know, obviously we've built up the sectors as well, uh, but we're, we're excited to launch an all-in-one uh, solution now. So ZWQT. Uh, you'll notice that's similar to in ticker to our ZEQT. So ZEQT is our, our BMO, uh, BMO equity asset allocation ETF. Uh, this is very similar, uh, but it's composed of all cover calls. So essentially, it's both going to provide the benefits and the exposure of a broadly diversified asset allocation equity ETF. But then it's also going to give you the benefits of the uh, cover call ETFs and 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 uh, you know as a reminder it's higher yield obviously but it's also robust portfolio construction uh, lower volatility tax efficiency as well so uh, yeah we're excited to have it you know for investors who perhaps want a one ticket solution uh, to get global diversification um, in terms of countries and as well as sectors um, this is going to be a great solution. Um, it's going to employ. It's going to uh, you know have a fairly strategic weight, but we will be able to shift tactically. You know, as we uh, become more, um, you know, uh, more constructive on regions within the firm or uh, sectors. Uh, so the heart of the portfolio is really our high dividend cover call suite. That's really the heart of it, and so very much fits in the defensive theme we were speaking about earlier. Uh, but we do have some uh, some additional sector ETFs to complement that. So of note, the ZWT, uh, the cover call technology we mentioned earlier, um, is the largest sector uh, weighting in the fund. We also have ZWB, cover call Canadian banks and Canadian banks. You know, we've also spoke a, a lot about on the podcast, but, you know, very constructive over the one to two year time horizon, you know, especially looking through the cycle. Uh, we really like the Canadian banks. So ZWB has a has a strong weighting in the fund. So overall, excited to bring this to the market. Um, it's the same price point. 
Um, in terms of management fee, as any of our individual cover call ETFs, but, the, but again, you're getting that benefit of rebalancing the all-in-one ticket solution at no additional cost. So 65 basis points management fee. And yeah, excited to see it list on uh, Friday, June 23rd. Great. Thanks, Chris. Yes, we're very excited for that listing. And with that, those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. And a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for providing some great insights. And with that, I will wish everyone a great day and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Alfred Lee, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO U.S. High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWH, which provides exposure to blue-chip dividend-based companies while earning call option premiums. Our experts also discussed currency hedging. The BMO S&P 500 Hedge to Canadian Dollar Index ETF, ticker ZUE, invests in some of the largest and most liquid U.S. stocks. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFs.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.